Thanks, Helen and Jenny. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Tom. I want to speak from Joshua. Um, I was going to show a little YouTube clip, but we won't, just for Zoe's sake, so she knows. Um, because Joshua had to be countercultural, and I think it's really interesting what Josh was saying. I thought, what great, great things to apply, actually, to us, where we are. Those great principles. High standards. Do things on time, or use your time well. Do things without wastage and work with joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. I started with a verse. Um, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But my theme is a verse a bit later on that uh, comes up following on from this story, and it's this verse. Throw away the foreign gods among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Throw away the foreign gods among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Um, You may have heard on the news this week, it's the 50th anniversary of the speech that Martin Luther King gave on his dream. And uh, that was great, wasn't it? What an inspiring guy, what an inspiring speech. But it made me think, have we got a dream? Have I got a dream? I'll tell you what it is for me. I want to see Jesus known here. I do. I want to see people come to know Jesus here. I do. That's my dream. Because that's what changed my life. And that's what changed our lives. And everything has got to serve that dream, hasn't it? Do you long for that? I do. One of the great stirring things that came out of New Wine for me is that the change from that conference, which was set up by God, I'm sure, through inspiration, to bless the churches. But it's to bless the world. It's not about us. This gospel that we've received from Jesus. It's not for our benefit alone. It's for the world. Hallelujah. That's my dream. And I'd like us to stir up a dream again. I really would. Hmm. Interestingly, we went to the Baptist College, Dave Market. Dave's at Hallfield today, by the way, preaching there, just so you know. He's not absconded. Um, we went to Baptist College this week to pick up some old paintings just because they, they're storing them, they're no good to them. So we've got them in the office if you want to see them. We might get them cleaned up because they're hard to see who they are. They date from the 1700s, these oil paintings. But one of the amazing things is when you look at these paintings, you think, these guys, they laid their lives down for Jesus and they saw hundreds come to know him. They baptized people through the ice, got caught by the police, so a frog march to Warminster to be imprisoned because they wanted to see Jesus known. Hallelujah. The pulpit had a trap door in it so that if the police came when they were preaching, he'd drop through the trap door and escape. Didn't stop getting caught in the end, but hey. What courage! Because they wanted to make Jesus known. 
And I want to call out to us to make that our priority. But I recognize that this comes at a cost. And I think that's the theme, really, of what I'm talking about. Because not everybody may want to pay the price. For some of us, we'd rather slumber on as a church because it suits me and it's satisfying my particular needs rather than throw ourselves on God in abandonment so that we become a people of conviction and courage and passion. I also love to be part of this wider church community in Bristol. I really do. You know, we're at Cairns Road and we're in Westbury Park and isn't it good that we start praying for BS6 and the people around us and think, what's the mission field here then? (laughs) How do we reach out to the people on our doorsteps? But I love it to be part of the wider scene and and I really enjoy it when I get the time and I don't always get it now because of my two jobs. But when I mix with other people around Bristol who are really going for God... They're people of the word, they're people of the spirit, and they're saying, we want to make Jesus known in Stokescroft, in St. Paul's, in St. Werbergs, in Henley's, in wherever it is. We're not alone in this. And these guys are praying for us, and we need to be praying for them, saying, we want to see this city changed. (laughs) Don't we? Actually changed. Because we make Jesus known. And it affects people's lives. Hallelujah. That's what I want. I really do. Um, I'm going to read an old hymn written by Luther because it's got battle language in it and I don't want to mix this with what's happening in Syria please don't get me wrong (laughs) but I think we've lost some of our battle language and we've become quite I have become quite sort of weak and sloppy and adopted this culture to be honest where we just do things to please ourselves and get comfortable listen to this a safe stronghold our God is still a trusty shield and weapon. He'll help us clear from all the ill that has us, hath us now o'ertaken. The ancient prince of hell has risen with purpose fell. Strong male of craft and power he weareth in this hour. On earth is not his fellow. God's word with all their craft and force one moment will not linger. But spite of hell shall have its course. Tis written by his finger. And though they take our life, our goods, honor, children, wife, yet is their profit small. These things shall vanish all. The city of God remaineth. And we need a bit of that guts, I think. And that's my plea today. I'm going to say that several times, aren't I, I think. Okay, Joshua. I wanted to tell the story of Gideon because it keeps coming back to me. It's been in my mind for a year or more. Brian, you spoke about it over a year ago in a church meeting. I felt this was a prophetic thing about Gideon, about getting smaller. And uh, it could be to do with numbers. It could be to do with, I don't know what, concentration. (laughs) Um, I don't want to interpret it in one particular way. But what's God saying through that? And then someone at New Wine spoke two sessions on Gideon. Or just mentioned it. I thought, what's this about? And then Stephen Tracy Crofts, you know, well, not Crofts now, hair young, um, you know Tracy, you all know Tracy. Um, Steve had a reflective morning a few weeks ago, and he said, I was praying for Cairns, and I just thought about these scriptures, I thought you might be interested, Pete, it's Joshua 7, about Gideon. I thought, oh, <laughs> oh God, are you saying something? 
So that's where I'm coming from. So I've been reading Gideon, and I could, to be honest, I could preach for two days on this. So please forgive me, I will try and be brief. But I can't think about Gideon until I look at the context. So I'm going to look at the context, which is the end of Joshua. If you've got a Bible, you can follow it, but I'm going to whiz through. And my encouragement is, go home and read it. Think about it. What's God saying? What's this about? Where's it coming from? Joshua, if you remember at the beginning of Joshua, um, Moses had got up to Jordan and wasn't allowed to go across. And Joshua was told, take the people in. So he took the people in. He was told, be strong, be courageous. Do it, Joshua. Do it. (laughs) So he did. I don't suppose he felt like it, but he did it. And he's now 110. And he calls together in chapters 23 and 24 of Joshua, he calls together the elders and the leaders and all the sort of senior people in the nation. And in chapter 4, he draws the whole nation together and talks to all the people. And this is some of the things he says, okay? So I'm just going to read from 23 and 24, picking out verses. I'm old, they are, Um, and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done. It was for the Lord your God. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Be very strong. He's talking to the people of God, okay? Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God. 11. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord God has given you. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Chapter 24, 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose who you will serve. (laughs) Whether the God of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And all the people said, yes. Verse 19. So Joshua said, you can't serve the Lord. He's holy. He's a jealous God. But the people said, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said, you're witnesses then, yourselves, that you have chosen to serve the Lord. We are witnesses, they replied. This is verse 22, then 23. Now then, said Joshua. So what he's done, they've had this conversation, all right? He's he's pouring his heart out saying, God's been faithful God has been faithful. Now choose. Are you going to follow him wholeheartedly or not? (laughs) That's his 
please. And they said, yes, yes, yes. He said, but you can't. He said, but we will. He says, okay then. If you want to, this is the deal. Okay? This is the deal. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. He knew that they still had idols in their hearts. And he was saying, if you really want to serve God, then go for it and mean it. And get rid of stuff that's stopping you doing it. And they said, we will. And they made a covenant. Hallelujah. And the rest of the Old Testament is all about the victories and the glory. (laughs) Ah, we wish it was. That's the end of Joshua. We turn over into Judges. And the first chapter of Judges is all about the way they went on with God. For a whole 20 verses. And then we read this. The Benjamites, however, failed to dislodge the Jebusites. But Manasseh did not drive out the... Nor did Ephraim drive out and... and Neither did Zebulun drive out. uh, uh, Nor did Asia drive out. um, Neither did Naphtali drive out. um, They compromised on what God had said. Chapter 2 of Judges, God in his faithfulness sends an angel. And the angel of the Lord went up to Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers. And I said, I'll never break covenant with you. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars but you've disobeyed me. And didn't I tell you that there will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you? And the people wept. They didn't change, but they wept. That's a shame. We then go on a few more chapters. In fact, it's 130 years have passed now since Joshua died. And we get to chapter 6, which is the start of the story of Gideon. God comes back on the scene because he was so longing to find a people who would take him at his word, who would believe him, who would look back at all God's faithfulness and the fact he never fails and move on in that light. And he's longing again. So he sends, first of all, a prophet who said this. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of a land, uh, the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and for the land of of your oppressors. And I said, I'm the Lord your God. Don't worship the gods of the Amorites, but you have not listened to me. So the prophet came again and reminded them. And do you remember each each time he's saying, I brought you out of Egypt. Do you remember that? I saved you. That's what he's saying. I saved you. Have you forgotten what you were saved from? And the wonder 
of knowing me. That was the prophet. Then another angel is sent to Gideon. And I guess we all know the story, do we? Do we know the story of Gideon? This angel came and found Gideon threshing wheat in his father's house. And uh, they were oppressed. The Midianites were on top of them. They were robbing them of their sheep, of their crops, of everything. It was a bit like uh, the bad times in Zimbabwe, Africa. It was just rubbish. It was awful. And God sent an angel to Gideon and said this, The Lord's with you, mighty warrior. I don't think Gideon felt like a warrior at all. Because this is what he said. Gideon said, if the Lord's with us, why is all this happening to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told about when they said, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this the strength you have and save Israel. Aren't I sending you? Isn't that remarkable? I don't know what it was about Gideon's heart that God loved and was able to speak to him like that. But there was something in him that longed to see God's faithfulness at work. Because he knew, he looked back and he said, where are his wonders then? (laughs) And we've heard stories this morning, haven't we, of God's wonders amongst the young people at Seoul. We've seen a new wine of the story of Polly and others. God's wonders. You know, God wants to move in wonders again. And one of the greatest wonders is that people should come to know him and be rid of all the weight of their sin and the stuff that's just got them down through life and all the rubbish that we know about. Maybe we've forgotten. What a wonder that is. And one of the ways he does that, sometimes I believe, is by healing them, setting them free, giving them a vision, whatever it is. So the common people, the guys out there that we meet in our workplaces, God wants to bless them, say, you know what, I love you. I want you to be free. (laughs) Bring again those wonders, God. Hmm. Those wonders. And then we have this encounter where um, Gideon has a conversation with his angel and makes a little sacrifice. And then the sacrifice bursts into flames. And Gideon gets really scared. He says, this isn't just an angel. This is God. I'm dealing with God. And he thinks he'll be consumed. The fear of God. And God speaks to him and says, peace. The angel says, peace to you, Gideon. It's okay. It's okay. I haven't burnt you up. It's okay. I want to speak a bit of courage into us. To seek God to the point where it hurts. (laughs) To the point where we feel, God, you're so holy. How can I stand in your presence? And we'll hear then the voice that says, it's okay. It's okay. I'm with you. And so Gideon says, okay, I will do whatever you say. I've met with God. What can I do? And so God says this. 
the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. In fact, most versions say it's two bulls, actually. Take the bulls of your father's herd. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, using the wood of the pole that you cut down, and use the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was scared, he did it at night. Well, fair enough. He did it. And when the people got up in the morning, they saw it was all torn down, and they were annoyed. And they said, who did this? And when they investigated, they said, Gideon, he did it. And the men of the town demanded, Joash, bring out your sons. He must die. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So what's this about? Well, he had to destroy something that was inherent in his family. (laughs) He had to take on Baal. The word Baal is interesting. It never occurs in the Old Testament without the indefinite article. Is that the right word? It's always got the Baal, the master. And he had to take down this Asherah pole. As far as I can, well, this is what, how, how I see it. I'd like to ask, what are the things that we do because that's the way we do them in our families, whatever? Do we see God having our all? Isn't it really hard that Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son for the sake of the kingdom? And God was merciful in that. The person at New Wine said this when they were preaching. Uh, Where can I find the quote? God does not judge us on our success, but on what we are willing to pull down. And that just went into my heart. God does not judge us on our success, but on what we're willing to pull down. And before they could see, before God's kingdom could come again, after 130 years of drought, they had to pull things down. And then, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. And I'm asking questions. What do I, personally, what do we as families, and what do we as a church need to pull down so that God can send his spirit again to be about the mission that's so in his heart to bless the world around us. And I mean that with all seriousness. So what are the bulls that we've got to sacrifice? (laughs) What are the things we've got to look at our family and say, I know that's great, but actually, I've got to sacrifice it. I've got to get rid of it. What are the poles that we have by our altars, the Asherah pole? That's the God of fertility. Um, that we somehow say, well, we can have a bit on the side, or whatever it is. Dave spoke last week on um, All You Need Is Love. I would encourage you to listen to it on the web. I thought it was really good. And he said things like, what the Beatles introduced in the 1960s has so got into our culture that we're almost unaware of it. And now all you need is love. As long as you don't hurt anyone, it's fine. Nonsense. Listen to this. After writing that song, they wrote this one. Imagine there is no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine. It's awful. 
I like the song, unfortunately. I like the uh, tune. It's great, isn't it? Beautifully written. But Do you know that's our culture? If we want to be countercultural, we've got to actually be very different. No hell below us. That's not what the Bible says. It may not be below us, but judgment is real. What is love? Love is important, isn't it? If we love everyone, that's fine. Well, what is love then? In Timothy, it says it comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. If you read 1 John, we'll hear a bit about love. This is how God showed his love. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love for God to obey his commands. And the very last verse in 1 John says this, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? So I want to ask questions about our families, actually. Do we idolize our families? That's a hard question. But actually, do we see God first and then see families come in? I was thrilled to bits, I tell you, when I saw uh, Hannah Goddard in the prayer meeting on Friday for Syria. I thought, God, hallelujah. There's a family living it out. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Or do we say, well, it's Cuthbert's tea time. I won't go to church this morning. (laughs) I mean, it sounds flippant, but honestly... I know when mine became a Christian, I, I was in danger of really upsetting my mum and dad. I probably did upset them, actually, in retrospect. They were so gracious. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. The Master Baal. I have to say a little bit about that. I'm conscious of the time. But we have to be so careful now what we say. We say we've got free speech in this country... Here's the news. We haven't. Okay? (laughs) I've got to be careful what I say. If I say, for example, I think it's unhealthy for people of the same sex to have intercourse and that kind of thing, that I'll be in trouble. It's true. I may be in trouble. I'm not against anyone. But we have to be biblical. We have to be biblical. There is such a thing as sin. And we have to work out what that looks like in today's culture. I want to see people know Jesus, wherever they're at. Whatever part of the journey they're on. doesn't matter where they are. I want them to know Jesus. I really do. Of course, the Gideon story, what he said was, the story goes on, he says, look, if if you don't want to fight, that's fine, go home. And over two-thirds of the army went home. <laughs> but to those, that, And then there were some left, and, and God said, well, there's still too many. So it got down to 300. 300 is ridiculous, frankly, when you're fighting an army of tens of thousands. But with that 300, they took a trumpet in one hand, and they put a torch in the other, and put a jar over it, and smashed it, and said, the sword of the Lord and Gideon... They came with a message for the world. And God took them forward.
I believe God's speaking to Cairns Road, saying, come on. Don't slumber. Be all out for God. Let's explore what that looks like together. I'll need your help. You'll need my help, I guess. This is the thing we do together. It won't be easy. But I really do believe there's an angel and there's a prophet saying, come on. Remember, remember, I'm the God of salvation. And this world needs Jesus. And that might get a bit hot. But I want to see his wonders again. His wonders of salvation. I don't really know where to end, apart from starting again. (laughs) I could just pray. What do we do? Lord, I haven't communicated everything right. You know that. But when you're saying something, Lord, I want to hear it. And for us in this room, we want to hear it, Lord, and say, okay, then make a covenant with us. We will. But we also know we can't do it without your Holy Spirit. And you speak to us saying, go on, be courageous, be strong, of good courage. Then do it then, Lord. Speak to us this week. Speak to us, I pray. I do want us, Lord, to be a people who see transformation around us in our workplaces and in this city. Amen.